I get the job of the awesome privilege of introducing one of my favorite professors at Master's College and Seminary. Um, Luce Lombardi is here today to join us and to give us the word this morning. And if you haven't already, because he probably won't tell you, buy his book. It's so good. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this morning, Thank Luce, you. and your beautiful Thank you. wife. Thank you very much. Good morning. It's funny how all my students say they're, I'm a, their favorite professor when they're with me. You ever notice that? I, I notice that a lot. I believe you, though, actually. Happy Thanksgiving. And, you know, in my very strange way of thinking about things, I just was sitting there this morning thinking, how do the turkeys feel about Thanksgiving? You ever think about that? Just wondering, what in the world? How did we wind up in Canada where they give Thanksgiving and we're like a target? Right? I've, I've actually heard that we've pretty well wiped out all the wild turkey population in our country. So this morning, be thankful that you're not a turkey. You good with that? Well, it's great to be here, and it's always great to uh, be in the pulpit of a friend. And uh, Shannon and Jennifer Potter are very good friends of ours. He was a Bible college colleague, and uh, we had the privilege of working together for a few years at Master's College and Seminary. Of course, I stayed and he left, and uh, our loss has been your benefit and your gain. Uh, He's been here for 14 years, and uh, we hear always good things about what's going on here. And uh, Evangel has always been a great presence and testimony for God in the city of Oakville. And uh, we're thankful for you as a congregation as well. How many of you have already had your turkey fill? We had round one yesterday. And uh, Penelope, yes, we called her Penelope. She was 26 pounds, and she was very pink. And, of course, pink makes you think of flamingos. And, of course, when you think of flamingos, why wouldn't you call it Penelope, right? I mean, it's just really what it is. So uh, we carved her up and took her over. And, uh, you know, we had uh, 31 people yesterday, uh, my wife's side, uh, good, large Newfoundland and Dutch families gathering together. And uh, we enjoyed Penelope. Thank you, Penelope, for giving of yourself for us to enjoy you. Uh, We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? The abundance of what we have, the security, relative security that we have in our country, our homes, our jobs, our family. We're all very truly blessed, aren't we? I mean, if we were to really think about it, we make up the top 10% of the most blessed people in the world. And for that, at times, I think we need perspective, (laughs) that our abundance uh, has so much capacity. You know, we give thanks for what we have. We give thanks for the things on earth that make our life full and rich. And, but we can also be thankful for what we don't have. You might ask, how is that possible? Logic tells us that if we don't have it, How can we be thankful for it? Being thankful, doesn't that come along with the necessity of having it? It's a question uh, we ask ourselves. But isn't part of being thankful having something to be thankful for? And we see Jesus here in the passage that was read. And when I think of Thanksgiving, I think of Jesus And when we see him in the Gospels, we see him in many moments 
giving thanks. Thanks to God the Father. It's interesting, isn't it? Here he stands before the crowd, over 5,000 people scattered on the countryside hills of Judea. He was teaching them, and they all got hungry. And he gave thanks for what they didn't have yet. He stood and he looked to the heavens, the other gospel writers say. John doesn't say this, but Matthew and Luke and Mark do. Uh, When he stood before the crowd, he looked up and he gave thanks to the Father for what was about to happen. And what was about to happen was something that we shake our heads and we think, is that really possible? Is it possible? Except that we know it's possible because John saw it with his own eyes. We know it's possible because the four gospel writers write each about this event and they saw it with their own eyes. We believe what other people saw that Jesus actually brought food where there was no food. Fed mouths that were hungry that thought they weren't getting anything that day. That he... uh, that he solved the doubt in the minds of his own disciples about could we really feed this many people. You see, I think this passage tells us that Jesus shows us how to be thankful for what is to come. Being thankful for what we don't have yet. Being thankful for what we can't grasp yet. Jesus is an example of this for us in this passage. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 6 of John and follow along in the story. You saw it, you heard it read there, and you saw it on the screen. Uh, And when we're challenged in our realities, because even in our abundant land, even in a land where we have plenty and are blessed, there are moments that we seem to feel helpless. There are moments that we seem to feel that our resources are wanting. Our resources aren't quite there to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Even as followers of Jesus, even as communities of Christ, sometimes we wonder, can our little bit really impact the large country that we live in? Can the word of Christ go out with our meager resources that we put out for God to use? Well, when we're challenged this way with the reality of what we don't have, Jesus moves us to a deeper trust in him. In the story, when you read it along in the gospel, people were following Jesus. Uh, They were following Jesus because he was doing incredible things. People who were sick were coming to him, and he would pray and they would be healed. People who were tormented would come to him and be delivered. People uh, who had want, who were blind, who were mute, who were lame, would come to him and they would be healed so they could see, they could speak, they could walk. And in the chapter before, he had just healed the lame man by the pool of Bethesda. The lame man had no idea who he was. And Jesus encounters him and he says something very strange to the lame man. He asks him, do you want to walk? Do you want to walk? Well, of course, that would be obvious for a man who was lame, lying on his mat, wanting to go into the warm waters of the pool to try and find healing. Jesus prayed over the man and healed him 
The man left that day rolling up his mat and walking away. There's also the centurion, the man whose son was sick and because he understood authority and he saw and he knew and he heard the stories about Jesus, he sent for word for Jesus to heal his son and Jesus, understanding that the centurion knew what he was capable of, assured him that his son would be healed and he healed the son. You see, these stories caused people to follow Jesus. And Jesus led them out of the city into the wilderness. Very interesting image. And as he's there teaching them on the hillside, people are gathering. And uh, it's not just 100 people. It's not just 500 people. It's over 5,000 people gather around that hill listening to the teachings of Jesus, looking to him for the solution to their issues, for the solution to their problems. But of course, there's one big mounting problem in that moment as he carries on teaching, and that is that the noonday comes and people are getting hungry. And his disciples are wondering, what do we do here? And Jesus brings their doubt out into the open as they realize and are putting two and two together. All these people cannot travel back into the town in time to find food. And how are we going to provide for them in this heat and in this very desolate place where there's no food? It's a dinner host's nightmare, isn't it? Think about it. We panicked a little bit yesterday because uh, almost every member of the family showed up. That usually doesn't happen often. But as everybody was gathering around the long table, I could kind of look at my wife and we were looking at each other. There are enough seats here for everyone. We were all looking at each other. But eventually everyone found a seat and, and made room. But that's just because a few extra people came. What do you do when over 5,000 people come? I mean, I grew up in an Italian home. and Growing up in an Italian home, I mean, if extra people showed up, I mean, what we did was we just put more pasta on. Because pasta always tastes great and the sauce can always go farther, right? But even the best of my uh, grandma and mother and all the capacity of my aunts could not provide for 5,000 people showing up. There's just not enough food for anybody. And that many come around. It's impossible. See, it's impossible. And Jesus here is Captain Obvious. Where can we buy food for these people to eat? There's nowhere you can buy food for these people to eat. Not in Judea. Not in the first century. There's no supermarket. There's no super Walmart food section. Right? There's no grocery gateway. We can't get on the phone and, and get them to cart this amount of food over. Philip answers. He says, even if we had a whole year's wages, we still couldn't buy enough food to feed everybody. Jesus, don't you see? Can't you see clearly? But you see, Jesus has an impeccable track record, doesn't he? God has an impeccable track record. Jesus has a way with imagery here. John paints the picture. Jesus walks out into the wilderness and he goes up on the mountain. And from the mountain, he teaches the people on the mountainside. 
You see, he's more than just Moses. Because Moses took the people into the wilderness to the mountain and they heard God's voice on the mountain. Jesus was essentially showing them who he was. And what a track record God has, doesn't he? Israel in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. God provides for the people. Israel in slavery in Egypt. Israel at the Red Sea where he parts the sea. Israel before their enemies. Israel in the times of oppression. Israel at the ruined temple where they weeped over the brokenness and the rubble. God's track record before the impossible is batting a thousand. God never fails. Jesus on the cross when all seemed lost, when his disciples were scattered, when the hope of a Messiah was gone, he rises again to life. The early church and all their brutal oppressiveness from the Roman Empire stand the test of time and win over an entire empire. Do you catch the imagery here? That Jesus is not just Moses that leads us out to captivity. Jesus is God on the mountain who provides. Jesus is the words of truth for us. In the face of impossible odds, when your hands are empty... And our abilities and our resources come short. Yes, even in our abundance, even in this great land of Canada, our resources just aren't quite enough. We are in abundance and there's still people who are hungry among us. We are in abundance, but there's still people who suffer. And sometimes food won't answer all the suffering that's out there. But he knows what to do. He's able He has the resources. He has the strategy. Our faith, our trust, it can go deep. Because the one in whom we trust knows how to bring the future into the present. For our salvation. For our transformation. For our recovery. And he makes the impossible possible. You see, in the face of what we don't have. With Jesus. Our odds are in our favor as he motivates us toward the resources of heaven. Well, the disciples are looking at the logic of the situation in the story. I call this but logic. You know, but logic, but Jesus. They had two very logical scenarios. Jesus There's absolutely not enough money to buy food for these people. End of point. Not enough. Andrew, the disciple Andrew finds a kid with five loaves and two fish. And he brings them before Jesus. And maybe he was trying to make a point. Because Jesus was just waiting, seeming to do nothing. And he brings the child before Jesus. And he says, look, we have this little kid. And he's got five loaves and two fish. Jesus, don't you see the impossibility of the situation? Shouldn't we be sending these people home, right? Shouldn't we, be, shouldn't we go to plan B here? Because plan A doesn't look like it's going to pan out. We see in those moments, we tend to look down on the situation. Jesus shows us where our help comes from. As a young child, he would have learned the psalm. 
about where his help comes from. His help comes from the Lord, the Father in heaven, the maker of all the earth. Our humanity, it gets overwhelmed. Like the disciples, when we get into those situations where we know it just doesn't add up, where the logic doesn't make sense, and the impossibility of the situation overwhelms us, the times where we say, I'm not good enough, or I don't have the resources, or I don't have the ability, or there's too many obstacles, so it's just impossible. How did we get here? Sometimes we say, what was I thinking? Was I crazy to get to this point where I'm in over my head? And it just seems also impossible, doesn't it? And we get into this state of anxiety. And then Jesus comes along and he says these beautiful words. Just sit down. Just just sit down. You're getting all too caught up in your impossible moment. And as all sit down, all of them, over 5,000 people, Jesus takes the loaves and he looks to the Father in heaven and he gives thanks. One of the gospel writers says that he gave thanks to the Father, saying, Father, thank you for what you're about to do. do this for himself. But he's showing the disciples. He's showing the Jews that were along that hillside that we can offer our little bit to God. And we can give thanks to him for the little bit that we have. Knowing that the resources of heaven are there to take that little bit And to make it into an abundance for us. Look, don't miss the posture here of John's story of the disciples versus Jesus in this story. The disciples are standing looking down. They're overwhelmed by the situation. They're overwhelmed by the meagerness of what they have. Jesus is looking up and looking up at the Father and reaching out to the resources of heaven. And he's showing us how to face the impossible odds in our life. He's showing us who's on our side when we feel like we have nowhere to go. He shows us who is there waiting to help. He shows us that there's a father in heaven who's willing to go beyond our expectations. I'm sure there's many people here that could share your stories of moments when there was very little, but with eyes lifted to heaven, praying, anticipating, trusting, giving thanks that God came through and did the impossible. I know the stories are there. We could spend hours sharing these stories together because the Father in heaven is generous. He gives of himself. He does it in humility. With the resources of his heavenly realms, he brings it down to us. Who else do you want in your corner? This Thanksgiving, you may be missing some of those people that were in your corner. You may be missing some family members that have gone on and they were there for you. They encouraged you. 
Jen and I, we miss our fathers. I know for years we've missed Jennifer's mom. A few years ago, we lost her brother, all encouraging people, all people that were in our corner. I'm sure it's the same for many of you. But we have our Father. We have our Father in heaven. And as we look up from our impossible odds and we pray to him, he's there working on our behalf. Jesus had told the lame man at the pool that my father and I were always working. We're always there. We're always making the resources available. So what are you facing right now? What are you facing that seems so meager and impossible? What do you have in your hands that feel like those five loaves and two fish? And you're looking down on it. And you're looking at how helpless it looks. As if it's the only thing you have. Jesus shows us that it's not the only thing we have. That there's something more. You see, when you feel like giving up, thinking that it's no use, don't forget who your father is. Look up. Give thanks to the little in your hands because he can take that little bit and make it into more than you could ever imagine or think. The writer of Hebrews said this, We are not the type that shrink back and are destroyed, but we are those who believe and have hope. 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 If the Lord could just open your eyes to what he's done through your church, through all these years and decades of its testimony here, if the Lord could just open your eyes, if as a congregation you could look to the resources of heaven, And not feel that your little bit can't do anything. But our little bit, when we offer it to God, has exponential power. Exponential ability. Even in the face of death, Jesus shows us that it's not the end. But it's simply the beginning. People, our life here on earth is just a little bit. A little bit of what eternity will bring. And if we can learn to keep our eyes focused above, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. And the servers are going to come and serve. I just want you to ponder over this story. That Jesus shows us how to be thankful for what is to come. And what is to come is glorious. What is to come is abundant. What is to come has the solution for everything that ails the world around us. It's not all a loss. And I want to encourage you today, stop looking down all the time. Stop being overwhelmed by the impossibility around you. Lift your eyes up. Look to the Father. He's here. He's present. He's ready to make the resources of heaven available to us. All we need to do is give thanks. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord. We're going to move into communion. And as you receive the emblem, the bread, and the juice,
It's interesting that we take these little things today. We take them into our hands. A little piece of bread, barely enough, really not enough to sustain us. A little bit of juice that will not quench our thirst. But Jesus leaves us these things as representative of the kingdom to come. Isn't that incredible? That this little piece of bread will lead us to a moment where no one will ever go hungry again. That this little piece of liquid, little drops of liquid, will lead eventually to a moment where everyone will be satisfied. That's what we hold in our hands today. So as it gets distributed, uh, we pray to God today. So we're going to pray and then you can distribute the elements. Father, thank you, Lord, for these images today. God, as we gather in our nation and we give thanks to you, Lord, God, you show us how to be thankful for what you're going to do. And Lord, even in this moment of communion, not only are we remembering you, we are anticipating also what you will bring to us in the future. 